0: Scott and here's what's happening on the hill. Here at Shelby Christian we want to see a community of changed lives. We exist to reach people for Christ and equip them to become fully devoted disciples ready to impact their world for Christ. So are you ready? Have you been thinking about getting baptized? Josh Krim was. Let's celebrate this recent baptism so check it out. We just had our pathways class for new members who want to get more involved in Shelby Christian. So if you missed it, no need to worry. We have another one coming up in March. Just check out our website, shelbychristian.org and hit the drop-down menu for more details. Tacos aren't just for Tuesdays, they're for Thursdays and Sundays too. Come support our Guatemala mission trip at our Fiesta fundraiser next Thursday night, March 2nd before the service and Sunday morning, March 5th after both services. Be sure to come hungry. Hey married couples, get ready for our upcoming marriage workshop, The Art of Marriage. Cost is only 10 bucks a couple, and that includes childcare. Mark your calendars for Friday, March 24th, 7 to 9, and Saturday the 25th from 9 to noon. Here at Shelby Christian, we have so many ways to get connected. There's literally something for everyone. We're gonna highlight one of those ministries now. I'm gonna hand it over to Stu. Stu, what do you got?
1: Thanks, Caroline. Yes, it's true. We have plenty of opportunities to get connected. Our creative arts team is needing you. If you have an interest in this area, maybe sound or lighting or something like on the computer side, or maybe you're a guitar player that wants to get plugged in, we can use you. So you can see my name at the bottom of the screen. Contact me or Wayne Wilson. Good morning, church family. We're so glad you decided to come. If you are new, if you are a guest of ours, we want you to stop by the I'm New Wall. It's back there. You know what color it is, right? It's the color. Yes. Will you stand to your feet as we sing about God's redeeming love this morning? sing
2: this whole song Jesus paid it all I hear the Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watching Find finding me thine all and all Jesus paid. it and white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Sin and love. Sin I left. Crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Can anybody witness that this morning? Can anybody proclaim that you have been set free? sin.
1: And give him praise this morning. You can be seated. A song is really, a song of worship is just another prayer, amen. It's just a prayer. It's the best prayer. But I want to read to you Isaiah 53 as we get ready to take communion this morning. And Isaiah 53 Verse 3, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But when he was nailed to the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by the wounds, by the stripes that he took, we are healed. Can you say amen this morning? In just a little while, as as the music plays, we want to invite you to come. There's stations here on the sides and the back. And just remember the price that Jesus paid. And not only giving us eternal life, but everything there gives us peace. He heals us today. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come, we sing, we worship to you, Lord. But, Lord, you said that when we take up the cup and we take up the piece of bread, Lord, as often as we do it, we remember you. And as we take this, we become one with you, Jesus. And we pray all things in the lovely name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. You can come. Day, Lord, we invite you into this place, Lord. Lord, you are all that we need. God, you promised that if we build our lives upon you, Jesus, never fail when the storms blow, when the winds come. A house that's built on Jesus lasts. Will you stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord?
2: Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking. I've never been more
0: glad
1: gratitude this morning we
2: gratitude towards our heavenly father all my words fall short I've got nothing new how could I express all oh, my gratitude we could sing these songs as we often do. But every song was stay, but you will never do. So I throw So I pray. I that you have something special
1: for us in your word today, God. Would you just be with Jason? Pray that your anointing would be upon him, Lord, as he delivers, Lord, what you have given him, Father. We love you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this people, for this community, God. You're doing something amazing. We pray all these things in the lovely name of Jesus. And Everyone said, amen. You can be seated.
3: July the 3rd, 1983. I was 10 years old. I stood over in what we now call the stew in front of my church family and my friends and my family, and I said that I wanted Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And so my youth minister at the time, Jeff Hugus, uh, baptized me. I'd come back from a week of camp at Camp Calvary, and on that Friday, uh, I guess it was July 1st, I looked over at my mom as we were driving home. and said, "Mama, I want to get baptized. And I remember the place on that campus, at that camp where I made that decision. Summer of 1990, again, I was at Camp Calvary. I was drawn to that place and still am today. I remember the exact place. In that chapel where I stood up in front of my friends and my youth minister at the time his name is Dave Hamlin you guys may have heard of him (laughs) and I said I want to give my life to the ministry I want to be a minister I want to be a pastor I want to be a youth minister I remember the exact place I was standing October 18th 2003 I stood before God my parents, and I pledged my love to a girl named Melinda for the rest of my life. (laughs) On August the 29th, 2008, I held a little baby in my hand. He was five weeks early. He was less than five pounds. My firstborn. I was scared to death. Now he's a 170-pound eighth grader, (laughs) right? August the 1st, 2012. Again, I stood in a hospital room and I held a bigger baby, 9 pounds 11 ounces this time. It was in each and every one of those moments that my life changed forever. I bet you have moments like that. Moments where you can remember exactly where you were. You can remember the circumstances. You can remember the people. You can remember what it looked like, what it smelled like, what it felt like, right? You remember a day or a moment or an experience that changed the rest of your life. A lot of times we call those mountaintop experiences, right? When they're good ones, it's like you've been to the top of the mountain. You're on cloud nine. It's the best thing that you could ever imagine. You're on top of the mountain. Here's the thing about mountaintops though, right? What we know about mountaintops is when we're there, we have to come down off of the mountain at some point. And and really what happens is life is lived in the valley below the mountain, right? Those are just moments or experiences and they only last for, I listed five there real quickly for you, If if the total sum of how much time that took in my life, it was a day here and a day there. I've lived thousands of days and those were just small moments, small flashes on top of the mountain, but they changed my life forever, Again, you have those too, but we have to come down from the mountain and live in the valley. And so what we're doing in this series is we're going to walk through the next eight weeks some mountaintop top experiences. There are mountains all over the Bible. There are mountain stories all over Scripture. It, it, it's dotted all over Scripture. In fact, there are 570 times in the Bible where a mountain is mentioned. A third of those, something very significant happens on a mountain. And so over, like I said, over the next eight weeks, we're going to look at these mountaintop experiences, and we're going to try to learn some lessons <laughs> That God's teaching us and then here's the thought here's the idea with this series called straight off the hill Because we kind of called this little place up here our church, right? You know on the hill kind of you know up here uh, above a little bit You kind of drive down onto onto the road, right? So we're up on this little hill this little knob, right? And so when we think about like what are the things that we can take and in here When we have these experiences and then we can take them off the hill into everyday life What is God trying to teach us through his word? over the next eight weeks as we lead up through Easter. And we're going to talk about a very significant mountaintop experience on that day. So here's what I want you to do. In fact, the first thing I want you to do is look at this psalm. It's Psalm 125. It says this, As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people both now and forever. In the, In the Bible... All throughout Jerusalem, all throughout that part of the world—Iraq, Iran, Turkey—all all, all that Jerusalem, Israel. Right? There, there were mountains, there were knobs, there were hills. Dot, there are deserts and mountains. And so, when you read these passages of scripture, when you read these stories, we understand the layout of the land as mountainous. Right? It's not like Indiana or Kansas where it's all just flat. Right? And so there are these mountains. And in these mountains, on these mountains, on, on certain mountains at specific times, God tells incredible stories. And so we're going to look at one of those stories this morning. It's in Genesis chapter 22. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get there to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to walk through a story. The first mountain we're going to go to in this series is, is Mount Moriah. It's Genesis 22. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac, his son. And in the first verse, we get a, a clue as to kind of how this is all going to play out. Because Moses, who wrote Genesis 400 years after a lot of this stuff happened, here's what he says. Here's what Mo- Moses says about Abraham and God in this whole story in Genesis chapter 1. Look at what he says first here. First verse. Sometime later, God, noticed the word, Tested. Tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am, he replied. This isn't like a uh, God didn't know. God and Abraham weren't playing hide and seek, right? God knew where Abraham was. It's just like Abraham's like, God, I'm here. I'm ready. Here I am. What do you got for me? Let's talk, right? And, And what you see from this very first verse is that Abraham is... Going to be tested by God. Now, you guys know what a test is, right? We know what a test is. A test is different than a temptation because a temptation, sin dangles a temptation in front of us, right? And tries to entice us with a temptation. A test is different. A test reveals something. If you take a test at school, right? If you take a MAD test or, or social studies test or whatever, it's like it reveals if you have re- retained. The knowledge, the information, and you can put it back out onto this piece of paper, right? Or onto this computer now. Like, you have retained this. You have, it's inside of you. And so what a test does, a lot of times, it reveals already what's inside of us. And so what, what God's doing here with Abraham is not as much like God wants to try to understand Abraham, because he knows Abraham. He wants Abraham to understand Abraham. He, he wants Abraham to experience something very significant, So that Abraham can realize what's inside of him, what's inside of his heart, what's inside of his mind. And so a lot of times when there are tests that come, they reveal to us our character, right? What we would do in a certain situation, what we would say in a certain situation, how we would would react when something's really difficult, right? And so in this situation, what we find out is God's testing Abraham, verse 1. Now verse 2, it says this, Then God said to him, Take your son, your only son. You, hold on to that phrase. We'll come back to that in a minute. Whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah. And, and then when you're reading this story for the very first time, you're like, okay, we're kind of going along here. God's talking to Abraham. They're going to go on a little journey. You're going to go to this mountain, Mount Moriah. And then the, the first word of the second sentence in verse 2 is shocking, right? Because it says, sacrifice him. There is a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And so, when you think about what Abraham is now being asked to do, here's what you need to understand. Back in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, they haven't been able to have children. Sarah's not able to have any kids. He's 75 at the time. Sarah's 65. And so God comes in and says, Hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a baby. And for the next 25 years, no kids. It's not until Abraham's 100, and his wife's almost 100, that they have a child named Isaac. And what God did was, God promised to Abraham that he was going to have many descendants, starting with Isaac. Now, it doesn't take a genius, right? We're, we, we're all like... If, if Isaac, if you're going on this mountain like to kill him, if he's going to cease to exist anymore, how, how God, how are you going to use Isaac, right? Like he's going if to, if, if you want me to kill him, to sacrifice him, how am I going to be the father of, of a great nation? How is any of this going to happen? What's going to happen if he's dead? And so the first thing you see here is that Abraham had to have, he had to have, an incredible distrust in God and in God's plan. He, he can't see how this is possibly going to work out. This doesn't make any sense. There, there's no way, God, that this makes any sense what you're asking me you to do. So the first thing you see is he had to have an incredible trust in God. And then look in verse 3 because here's what happens. Early, early the next morning, Abraham got up. He loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Now here's what I want you to to kind of keep in your mind. This place that they're going on top of Mount Moriah, it's a very specific place. It's a very special place. We'll come back to that here in a moment as well. But think about what's going on in Abraham's mind, right? Put yourself in his sandals. What, what what are we doing, God? All right, I don't I don't I don't get this. Like this doesn't make any sense. But I'm gonna do what you've told me to do. With every step that they took, with every step that they took along this journey, Isaac is one step closer to death, and he doesn't even know it. All right, he's a dead man walking. And the only other person that knows anything about it is Abraham. And so imagine that journey as they walk toward Mount Moriah. And then look at verse 4. It says, On the third day, we'll come back to that in a minute because that's very significant too. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, You guys stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there to the mountain and we will worship and then notice this is this is very odd right when you read this because it says then we will come back to you who's who's we here? The only two people that are going to the mountain are Abraham and Isaac and there's only one coming back and that's Abraham. So why did he say we will come back to you? It's really interesting. If you go to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, it's revealed to us there. The New Testament writer of Hebrews says that in this moment, what Abraham had decided in his mind was that he was going to kill his son and that God was going to just raise him back to life. And they would come back down off the mountain. That was the only way any of this made any sense to Abraham. Right, Like, all right, God, you promised me that I'm going to be the father of, many, of a great nation, many descendants, of a lot of people, and it's going to start with my son Isaac. And there's only one way that that happens, and that's if he's alive, right? And so the only way he could reconcile this in his, his mind was that he was going to do exactly what God told him to do, and then God was going to raise him back to life. Look at verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife, right? And so you get this picture of, of, of a father and a son getting ready to walk up the side of this mountain. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Abraham, Father? Uh, yes, my son. Abraham replied. And he said, uh, we've got the fire. <laughs> we got the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac's a smart guy. He's looking around, going, "Dad, we got. I've got the checklist here. Got the wood. You, see, so you've got the knife. We've got the fire. Where's the lamb for the sacrifice?" Isaac. Isaac's got a lot of questions. Uh, Dad, did we forget something? How's this? How's this all going to work? And then look at what Abraham says in verse eight. He says this. Abraham answered. God. Answer, he says, "God Himself." will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide, Abraham says. And that journey up Mount Moriah must have been, right? So intense. Because Abraham, Isaac's got questions. And Abraham's distraught. And what he's about to do. Right? Just put yourself in that scene. It, it, it would be incredibly difficult to take the next step. But Abraham continues on. Look at verse 9. It says, When they reached the place... Again, there's a very specific place that God has showed Abraham to go. It told him about it. He said, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac... And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. The only way that this is even um, humane in any sense of the word is if Abraham was just going to slit his throat. That would have been the quickest way to do this. And so this is the picture. This is the scene, right? Right? A father standing over his son, his son whom he loves dearly, whom he has enjoyed every second of being this this young boy's father. We know that Isaac at this point, we don't know exactly how old he was. He was a, a young man. He was a young boy. He was at least a teenager, maybe in his early 20s. He's old enough to carry the wood on his back up the side of the mountain. So he's a pretty big kid at this point, right? And so Abraham is looking at his son Isaac and he's about ready to do what God's told him to do. And it's unfathomable. It's unthinkable. And then look at what happens next. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he said. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't do anything to him. And then he said, now I know. That you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham passed the test. In that moment, Abraham passed the test. He revealed to God and to himself how much he feared the Lord, how much he was willing to listen to the Lord. He was willing to follow God even even when it doesn't make sense, right? Right? Even when, like, God, I don't see a way, I don't see how this makes any sense. I can't make sense of this in my human brain. But what Abraham was willing to do in that moment is to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in your plan. I'm going I'm to trust in, in whatever it is you're doing here on this mountain because it doesn't make any sense to, to me. And God knew, Abraham knew that God was trustworthy. And God knew that Abraham would be obedient until the end. You see, one of the things that we learn in this story is that a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Right? A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. And what Abraham realized in this moment is that his faith was definitely being tested and then he realizes that God can be trusted. Look at what happens next? Verse 13. So Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram. Not a lamb. That, that's significant. Isaac and Abraham just had a conversation. Where's the lamb? A lamb doesn't show up yet, but a ram shows up. A ram was caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God will provide. God always provides. And in that moment, Isaac is thinking, I'm thankful for that ram. Right? Thank you, God, for that <laughs> ram. And in that moment, Moses names that place. The Lord will provide. So what's the lesson from Mount Moriah? That God is trustworthy and that He will provide. Have you found that in your life? Have you found God to be trustworthy? Even when you're not, even when other relationships, your best relationship on this earth that you hold dearly, whoever that person is... There have been times when you're like, you know, things happen. They let us down. We let people down. People put us on a pedestal and we let them down all the time. Sometimes we're not trustworthy. God comes along and he says, what I need you to understand is that you can always trust me. And that I will always provide even when you can't see a way forward even when you can't see a way out even when you don't know how this is resolved even when none of this makes any sense god is trustworthy and he can provide and he will your faith in god won't always make sense to this world it won't always make sense to your neighbors or your friends it won't always make sense to your coworkers. It won't always make sense to your classmates or your teammates. It won't always make sense to them. But what we know is that God is trustworthy and He can He, he, he will always provide for us. Look at verse 15. Here's how this story ends. It says the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely. Bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. Your descendants will take possession in the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have... What's that last word say? Obeyed me. Because you have obeyed me. God says, hey, you pass the test. Because you haven't withheld any of this from me, you're exact, exactly what I've told you, my promise, it's going to be fulfilled... Because you're going to be blessed because you listened to me. Because you obeyed me. Because you trusted me. I put you in a pretty bad place here. A pretty, pretty difficult spot. But you trusted me in the middle of all of that. And so Abraham knew that God could be trusted even in dire circumstances. And God rewarded Abraham's faith and obedience with that incredible promise. Abraham would indeed be the father of a great nation. The Israelite people, the Jewish people, Father Abraham, right? It all started on Mount Moriah with this incredible mountaintop experience. Can you imagine them walking, to, like, the walk down the mountain that day? It's like, I, Abraham's just exhausted, right? And Isaac's sweating, Right? And he's like, I, he's like, Dad, I'm going to tell Mom what you almost did to me today, right? <laughs> Dad, that was a close one. Gets back to the village, gets back to the neighborhood. You guys aren't going to believe what happened to me today. <laughs> almost bit it, right? And then this story that they could tell about this incredible... You think Isaac would ever... You think he's ever... Would ever the rest of his life was ever going to forget that moment on that mountain? No. He told every person, every friend, every relative, every child, he told everybody he could ever tell. Let me tell you about one time when Dad and I went to Mount Moriah, right? What an incredible mountaintop experience that they had to tell. Let me, let me show you one more thing today before we close. Here's, here's one more thing that if you're not careful, you can miss this in this story. Um, we've alluded to it a little bit, but I want to kind of show it to you a little bit more. Um, just kind of read this and play this out here because it's it's really important. There's there's someone here in Genesis chapter 22 uh, that's all throughout the story. Did, did you see it? Uh, Jesus, his story is is here in, in Genesis chapter two. Uh, let's go back and look at it for a second. Look at verse two again. Remember, it said, take your son, your only son. Does that sound familiar? What's that sound like? Who you love and, and sacrifice Him. What's that sound like? Well, it sounds like John 3, 16. For God, so, 16 17, 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him will not be condemned, but whoever does not stand will stand condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You you see it? Look at the next one. Verse 4. On the third day, there's this journey that they take, that Abraham and Isaac take toward Mount Moriah, and it's a three-day walk to Isaac's death, right? It's a a march (laughs) to the mountain where Isaac's going to die. Matthew 16, 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell His disciples plainly that it was necessary for Him to go to Jerusalem and that He would suffer many terrible things at the hands of His elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law, and that He would be killed. But on the third day, He would be raised from the dead. You see how this is coming together? Look at the next one, verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. This picture of a father taking the wood, placing it on the back of his son before he marches up the side of the mountain. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the place of the skull in Hebrew it's called Golgotha and there they na- nailed him to the cross you see it uh, look, look at the next one god himself will provide the lamb remember we made the distinction between the ram and the lamb as jesus and here's what here's what i think Is happening here. God's tell this is God's story. God's writing this story. He reveals it to Moses, and Moses writes it down about Abraham and Isaac years and years later. But this is God's story. And, And so God's telling Moses, write these specific things down. Write it down this way. No, don't say Ram, say Lamb. Provide the Lamb. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Kind of a, a wink or a hint to what God's... The story. You see the story that God's telling you? This is fascinating. Look at the next one. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar in Genesis 22. Nine. All right. For God... Second Corinthians 5.12. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Take my son. He didn't do anything wrong. He's laid on the altar. He, he's put on the cross. Look, look at the next one. There in a the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. Right? And then on the mountain, the Lord said, this will be a place where the Lord will be called. The Lord will provide. It will be provided by the Lord. Galatians 1.4 says, Jesus gave his life. For our sins, just as God, our Father, planned. See, God had a plan on Mount Moriah with Isaac and Abraham. He had a plan to rescue Isaac. And in Galatians 1 it says, God had a plan in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. God had a plan to rescue us. Now, here's what you need to understand. We'll be done with this. Mount Moriah, that actual place, is just outside the city of Jerusalem. Golgotha, the place of the skull, Calvary, it's just outside Jerusalem. And many scholars, biblical scholars who have studied this over time for years and years and years... Believe. You ready for this? It's going to. The same place. The, the exact same place where Abraham built an altar and stood over his son Isaac, ready to sacrifice him. And then God provided a way out. It's the same place where Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years later. Isaac and Abraham were about 2,000 years before Jesus, right? And so it's the same place. It's the same hill. It's the same mountain. Why was God so specific in saying, go to this place, make sure you go to this place, this place, this place, this place, God is telling this incredible story throughout Scripture. Do you see a part of it in this? Do you see how God's working this out? The same place where God provided a way out for Abraham and Isaac is the same place where God provided a way out for us through the Lamb. He provided a ram for Isaac, and He provided the Lamb of God for us to rescue us. God has always had a plan because we needed rescuing. We should have been on that altar. We should have been on that cross. You know why I know that? Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death, the Bible says, because of our sins. You know what your sins are. You know how nasty and dirty and disgusting your heart can be at times and your mind can be at times? You know it, right? We know it. And we look at that and go, yeah, that, oh gosh. Yeah. And God comes along and says, stop. Stop. Don't lay a hand on them. They should go to the cross, but stop. Don't... Touch them. They are mine. Here, take my son instead. I mean, come on. I have two sons. You, are, you people seem like fine people. But I wouldn't give either one of them for your life. I just wouldn't. And God says, take my son, my only son, whom I love, and put him on the cross instead. God's always had a plan. He's always had a plan to rescue us from ourselves. And so here's the question. Do you trust Him with your life? Do you trust Him with your kids? Do you trust Him with your family? Do you trust Him with your future? Do you trust Him that He's got a plan? Have you found Him to be trustworthy in your life? And if so... Are you willing to be obedient to Him and whatever He calls you to do, to be in life? That's the challenge on Mount Moriah. So look at Abraham and to realize here was a man that stood before the Lord and was willing to do whatever God told him to do. And he passed the test. And then God looks at us and He says, do you know how much I love you? Do you know what I've done for you? I love you. I don't want you to suffer eternal punishment because of your sins. I'm going to send my son instead. That blows my mind. And it should change us forever. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you. Thank you for your word. (laughs) I thank you for the story that that you've told throughout Scripture. But if we just kind of dig in a little bit and kind of read between the lines and kind of see what you're doing, man, it is fascinating, and it is mind-blowing, and it is awe-inspiring. And God, you do that. That's you. This is your story. And we get to be a small part of it. You come along with us, and you just ask us to to follow, to listen, to be obedient. And God, that's what we want to be. We want to be a people. We want to be a church. We want to be a community that's obedient to you, because we know that you're trustworthy. Even when we can't see a way forward, we know that you're trustworthy. God we know you have a plan even when we can't see past the next ten minutes we know you've got a plan we know that plan his name is Jesus so God may we be a people that just follow after your son that passionately pursue a relationship with Jesus because a faith that can be tested is a faith that can be trusted in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this last song as we close out this morning. If you got a decision to make, Dave and some other folks will be over at the decision room. They'd love to talk to you, pray with you, share with you about a decision. Let's sing this song.
2: Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a dream
3: Suspect that needs to just happen, right? What I suspect that needs to, to happen is that we all just need to make a decision as we leave this place today, right? God, I, I, am I going to really trust you? Maybe, maybe some of us just need to go home and just get down on our knees and just repent and confess and say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop just trying to do this all by myself. This is what guys do. Guys are like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put the weight of the world on my back. And here's what I just kind of sense God saying today. Some of you guys that are just trying to do it all. Be Superman for your wife, your kids, and at work, and with your friends. And I think he just comes and he says, Would you just trust me? I got this. Would you just give this to me? And so I think we all need to, as we leave this place, God, I'm, I'm gonna give that to you. I'm gonna trust you with that. There are probably parts of your heart in your life that you've never just said, God, I, I've always held on to this because I can take, I know, I know better than you, God. Right? And then today you just, God, are you? Are you trustworthy? If he's trustworthy, he's trustworthy. If he's not, if you've come to the conclusion that he's not, then that's the wrong conclusion. But if that's your conclusion, fine. But if he's trustworthy, then he's trustworthy with all of it. So give it to him. Don't waste this. Don't waste today. Wake up tomorrow morning and go, God, you got that. I'm just going to be obedient to you. That's my prayer for you. Hey, guys, thanks for being here today. If you're new, uh, like we mentioned earlier, go out to the Omni Wall. Check out the uh, gift they got out there for you. They love to connect with you. Uh, For the rest of you guys, thanks for being here today. Let's get out of here. Let's go love God. Let's go love people. Let's go watch Him change this world. See you guys. Have a good week.
0: Hey, church.